Before we begin our Torah study tonight, would you pray with me? Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who, command, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to start tonight with a passage from the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, that is one of my favorites. It's a favorite because it shows so much about Yeshua's way of thinking and what's important to him. And it's a passage that I like to review each year around this time when we're reading Parshat Truma in the Torah, as we are this weekend. Parshat Truma, or Taruma, take your choice of pronunciations, describes God's call to Israel to build him a sanctuary, a dedicated space for him, so that he can be together with the people who want to be with him. It's a wonderful Parsha, and it always speaks to my heart and helps me focus on issues of the highest importance. We're going to read from that portion in a little while this evening, but I want to start in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. So if you can turn in your Bibles, and those of you who have uh who are participating with comments, if you can put this reference, Mark 3, verses 13 through 15. And this describes the appointing of the 12 apostles, but it's fascinating because it also opens up to us some of the really most important values that Yeshua has about ministry, about life, and about God's attitudes towards us. So Mark 3, verse 13 is where we'll start. It says this, Yeshua went up on the mountain and he summoned those he himself wanted. And they came to him, verse 14, and Yeshua appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. So Yeshua chose those he wanted. He wanted them. And that's what I want you to focus on for just a moment. He wanted them. They were individually important to him. He wanted to be with them. He wanted to be in their company together. And he desired, he wanted each of these whom he called even, and I want you to notice this, even Judah, or Judas, as we say in English, who betrayed him, even Judah, he wanted to be with. He wanted to be with all of them. And he wanted them to be with him, to spend time with him, to receive from him, to join him, to accompany him, and then to extend what they were doing together in their close circle to a much broader group of people. So it tells us, if we go back to verse um, 13, he went on the mountain, he summoned those, or he called those who he wanted, who he himself wanted, they came to him, so they responded to that. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him. Think about that. They would be with him and that he could send them out to preach, to have authority to cast out demons. So he not only wanted them to be with them, he had plans. And part of his plans was so that he could send them out. He had additional purposes for them. 
This was not a social club. It wasn't a clique. It wasn't just a study group. It was a little community, a kehila, that was called to serve the Lord and to serve together and to serve others. And so those are three points of calling that are worth saying again. Called to serve the Lord, called to serve together, and called to serve others. And you can make interesting combinations out of those three aspects of calling. You, you can pay attention to this. They were called to serve the Lord together. And that's why I'm calling tonight's message the together pattern. But they're also called to serve other people together. And they're called to serve the Lord by serving others. And they're called to serve the Lord by serving together and serving others together. All, the, all these different combinations, all these permutations are, are true. They're all valid. And as we look at each one individually, and then we organize them in different combinations, they're all true. You see, this was foundational. This was very important. These disciples of Yeshua, these who became the apostles, would become the shaliachim, the apostles, the ones who are sent out. So they're not only the ones who are called, they're the ones who are sent out. They, they are, according to the, to the traditional use of this word in Hebrew, they're representatives, they're ambassadors, they represent Yeshua to the world. But they couldn't go out if they didn't spend time with Yeshua. They were not in some academic program where they needed to uh, go to classroom, read some books, write some papers, take some quizzes, pass some tests, and then graduate with a degree. They were in not an academic program, but a discipleship program, which combined community and ministry together. The disciples could not go out in ministry if they did not spend time with Yeshua and with those around him. You see, they needed each other. Yeshua was at the center. Absolutely. He brought them together, but they had to grow strong together. They had to learn to appreciate each other, to value each other, and then to actually serve together. There were times where they went out in twos. And so they had to get along. You know, it's not always easy to um, travel with other people. It's not always easy to minister with other people. They had to learn to do this. It was part of their calling. They weren't just lone rangers or independent uh, individuals. They were to be sent out with power and authority to minister to others to tell other people about the Lord and to bring others through what you could call the barrier of separation through the walls that keep people away from God and away from God's people. And it, I made a list today, just um, a partial list. You can add to this list, but think about some of the barriers that keep people away from God. Sin, iniquity, guilt, shame, Fear, ignorance, sickness, closed attitudes, preconceived notions, independence, 
addictions. You think about what keeps people away from God. Think about what breaks people's hearts, what breaks their relationships. That's what the disciples needed to minister to. They were called to be a special kind of community that not only had authenticity within, but could express it to others outside of them, even people who were very different from them, even with people who disagreed with them or didn't think the way they did. You see, they were bringing good news to people who desperately needed good news. They themselves, the disciples themselves, needed to experience the love of Yeshua together so that they could share that experience with other people. And they needed to love each other the way he had loved them. That's what Yeshua would later tell them was one of his new commands. If you love one another, he said, the way I have loved you, then everyone will know you're my disciples. So it's not by just getting doctrine right or joining a religious group or attending services or becoming a member of a congregation. It's also getting right the love that God uses to love us, and then embracing that as a pattern for our love. You're not gonna learn that love from politicians, friends. You're not gonna learn that love from secularists. You're not gonna learn that pattern of love unless you spend time with Yeshua and time with those who spend time with Yeshua. That's how Yeshua patterned it. It was the together pattern. That's what we could call it. Being with Yeshua had so many benefits. And it's a central theme for us. Being with him changed them. You know, sometimes we, we try to change ourselves and we try to use good discipline and self-management and all the tools that are available to us. But there's another kind of change. It's new covenantal change. It's the change that is promised in the Brit HaRashah, the new covenant of God. It's change from the heart. It's change from the inside out. It's change that touches us deeply in our innermost being, our heart, our soul, our emotions, our, our intellect, our thinking but it touches us on the inside. It's not just about trying to conform to external behavioral rules or good ethics or good morals. Those things are valuable. Those things are important. Our God is an ethical and moral God. And he calls us to live with high, high values and high standards for ourselves, not just to get away with what we can, not just to do what we're not gonna get, uh, thrown in jail for, you know, uh, I don't know how to put that. Our standards are not just legal standards. That's what I'm trying to say. And so it's not enough if we just say, well, I, I didn't go to jail or I didn't get a ticket or I didn't do this. No, those aren't the standards. The standards are very high standards. What's the real standard if we grasp it from Mark 3? The standard is to spend time with Yeshua and to learn his pattern of loving so that we can love other people in that way. It's a very high standard. Being with Yeshua changed his disciples.
and enable them to go out and be authentic representatives of him. You see, you can't catch what he's got if you don't get infected by being in his presence. You've got to spend time with him. We all do. Every one of us needs to take time in prayer, time in worship, time in study, and time in service with the Lord, in ministry with the Lord, and just everyday time, not just religious time, but we need to invite the Lord and recognize the Lord's interested in every area of our lives. When we're at school, when we're at home, when we're in a room all by ourselves, or when we're with a big crowd, when, when we're out and about, and when we're just in a group with our closest friends, it's important for us to recognize that Yeshua is interested in every part of our lives. He's the God of heaven and the God of earth. He came down and took on human form in order to experience everything that we experience to become our kinsman redeemer. So at the core of Yeshua's pattern for making disciples was forming community and expanding ministry. And it started by being with him. Spending time like this, spending time Yeshua with his disciples was an expression of his love for them. He loved those guys. He wanted them to learn to love each other. He wanted them to learn to love other people, even complete strangers, even people who were uh, like diametrically opposed to them. He wanted them to be able to serve and to minister effectively to people of every class, every culture, every kind of person, and in every kind of mentality, every, every political persuasion, every party, every kind of denomination. He saw good. Yeshua could see good in everybody. And he also saw their flaws and why they needed each other and needed to see the good in each other. It wasn't just optimism. It was a view that God has about his humanity. He knows that we are broken. He knows that we are have fallen, but what does he want to do? Not to condemn us, he wants to fix us. He wants to restore us and renew us. He wants to lift us up. So mech noflim cholim, as the Amidah says. So mech noflim, he lifts up those who have fallen, cholim, and he heals those who are sick. Wow, learning to love God the way God loves us, learning to love each other the way God has loved us in Yeshua. It's a tough assignment. The two great commandments, you know what they are, of course, to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, strength and, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, love is central to the mission for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that who, whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, this is the victory of love. It's the victory of mercy. And it's a central theme that we're paying attention to on during this Shabbat Trumah. Why did God want a sanctuary? Because he loves us. Because he wanted to be with us. Let's go now to... 
Isaiah chapter 30, starting in verse 15. We'll look at just a few verses here. Verse 30, or chapter 30, rather, verse 15 says this. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. That's, that's like a four-part recipe for life. But then there's the statement, it was a prophetic statement at that time, but you would have none of it. Oi. You know, I think it applies to today, to every people group, to every time period. God is offering salvation to us. He calls us to repentance and to rest. He wants to make us strong. Where does it come from? From quietness and trust. And each one of us finds a way of going our own way. We're sort of like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. But as we read Parshat Truma, the Lord wants us to learn to rejoice in doing things his way. Let's go to verse 18 of Isaiah 30. Yet. That, so that's in contrast. You would have none of it, it says in verse 15, yet, even so, it says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he will rise up to show you compassion, because the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Verse 19, O people in Zion who dwell in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will surely be gracious at the sound of your cry. When he hears, he will answer you. What's in his heart? It's to be gracious. What's in his heart? To show you compassion. The Lord Isaiah says, is a God of justice. I, I find that fascinating. It's interesting. Grace and compassion are not what everyone would associate with justice. Come to the hall of justice. Come to the court. Stand in front of the judge so that you can receive grace and compassion. That's not what we normally associate together. Grace compassion, and justice. But you see, God's justice is restorative. God's justice is not vindictive. It sets people right. So what's in his heart? To be gracious to you. Isaiah put it this way, he's longing, he's waiting with a strong desire and with expectation to be gracious. So what's he going to do? He will rise up and he will show you compassion. What are the conditions? Remember verse 15, repentance and rest, quietness and trust. When we open our hearts to repentance and when we quiet ourselves and we trust in him, then we're drawing closer to him. Do you remember how the Lord spoke to Elijah the prophet? It was through the quiet voice of quietness or the still small voice as one of the best English translations puts it, but it's a voice of quietness that speaks 
quietly. It's not in the clamor. It's not in the loud voices. It's not in the anger and resentment. It's not in the grievances that people are, are yelling at each other. It's in a quiet, calm way. Wait for him, the scripture says, long for him, desire him. So, so what can each of us do? Here's, here's something practical. Especially if you're going through hard times, turn your cry to the Lord and make sure that as you're crying to the Lord, you're entering into rest and trust with confidence in shalom. And here's a key to doing that, because you may not be able to get your emotions in that direction if you just try to control your emotions first and then come to him. Here's the key. Come to him and cry to him. Come to him, spend time with him, direct your sorrow to him, direct your disappointment, direct the, the grief that you feel, not your grievances, but your grief. You can bring your sorrow to the Lord and cry to him. Don't just wilt under the heaviness of spirit that comes from silence. Open your mouth to him. Tell him, cry to him. And I want to remind you of this. And for some of you, this will be very important, I think, because it is important. It's a simple idea, but it has profound importance and it can be incredibly useful. Here's the point. Don't confuse being anxious with crying to God. Another way of saying it, don't confuse telling other people about your troubles, about your anxiety, your fears, your worries, as if it were the same as talking to God. When you talk to God, talk to God. That's my advice to you. That's what I'm trying to get across. Spend time with him. Cry to him. I mean, you can also be grateful to him. You can express all your positive feelings too. Don't just bring your dirty laundry and, and your um, negative things to him. Bring your thanksgiving. Tell him what you're happy for. Express that to him. It'll, it makes a difference to him, but it also makes a difference to you. But here's a key. Some people are, are a very turtle-like. They, they're like little turtles who withdraw into a shell and they live inside the shell. And so they experience things only privately and in secret. And that's not necessarily coming to the Lord with all that you are. There are other people who are very outgoing. They're vivacious. They are... Um, they love to communicate, and they, when they're trying to be transparent and expressing their difficulties, they will tell people about them. They'll, when they're anxious, they'll share that with people. They'll, they'll share their fears. They'll share what they're worried about. But nevertheless, that's not the same as sharing it with the Lord. You see, we can share with people, and we can have times of solitude, yes. But what I'm trying to say is the highest priority is to spend time with the Lord and to bring 
everything, all that you are to the Lord, not just the good stuff, not just the stuff that's already been worked out, but your troubles, your difficulties, the things you are struggling with, but talk to him about it. Open up. Because when you talk to God, he's listening. He will hear you. But it's also important that you are prepared to listen to him. When he hears you calling to him, he will answer you. But it's important. It's not when you tell him what to do or when to do it or how to do it. Rather, it's when you express your heart with confidence and gratitude, and then you listen in every way that you possibly can for his direction. And with all this in mind, I think we can better understand this week's Torah portion, the Parsha for this week and the central theme in Exodus chapter 25. Would you turn there? We're going to look at just a few verses here. Exodus 25 verses 1 and 2. It starts this way. And then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to take up a teruma offering for me. Teruma meant take the best from the top. Take a teruma offering for me and accept it from anyone whose heart compels him. Or another way of translating it is who wholeheartedly, who wholeheartedly wants to give. And then going down to verse eight, to the next related thought. And they are to make me a sanctuary so that I may live among them, so that I may dwell with them, so that I may live in their midst. The Lord wants to dwell in our midst. Let's let him know that we want him with us. Let's let him know that we love him and that our hearts and our spirits are stirred these days. And let's open our hearts afresh to the Lord and take our eyes off of circumstances and situations and things of this world. Let's not take our cues from the clamor around us. Let's take our cues from the Lord. Fix your eyes on Yeshua. Learn from him. Study his ways. And let him become the standard and the pattern for your love, for your way of life, and for how you relate to other people during all times. Good, all times challenging as well. Well, I want to pray for all of us. <clears throat> Lord, we're coming to you on this uh, Shabbat Truma, and, and we recognize something. Lord, we need you so much, and there are changes in our own lives that we can't bring about unless we spend time with you. And so we want to say to you, Lord, we love you. We want to spend time with you. Help us embrace your priorities. Help us learn from Yeshua, the pattern, the together pattern, being together with you, being together with each other in all the ways that we possibly can, even with COVID challenges. Lord, let us experience the together life that you have for us. And we want to be the people who are wholehearted. Lord, we pray for our hearts that we would be wholehearted and we would be single-minded, not double-minded, that we would stay close to you. Lord, thank you for everyone in the Beth Israel Mishpocha who is persevering in solidarity with you, who's staying faithful with you during these times, who's keeping their eyes on you, 
fortify them. Let them know your pleasure and your joy. Lord, let them experience that joy that comes from having fellowship with you of the deepest kind. I thank you, Lord, that you hear us and you answer us. You're with us. You are Emmanuel, God with us. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing, but first, would you consider standing with us financially if this live stream is a blessing to you, or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast or our sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information you need can be found at bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Now, for Aaron's blessing, Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, Ye'er Adonai p'nave lecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai p'nave lecha v'yasem lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you, and may he really be the source of all your blessings. And may the Lord keep you, may the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you, may the Lord be gracious to you, may the Lord lift up his face to you, and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And we all can say together, Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed our time together, and I hope you can join us tomorrow for our live stream service live from the sanctuary and live stream on Facebook Live at the Beth Israel page. And now we're going to return to the Korshan home for a final worship song. So from Sandy and me, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. See you tomorrow.